Cool. Um, when Paula and I were um, felt that we should go to officer training college, we were sitting in a church service, not unlike this. I actually don't remember the service. I don't remember anything that was said. A um, bit of a blur. Do you remember anything that was said? All I remember is going home in the car going, I don't know if you brought it up or I brought it up. On a walk with the dog. I thought it was in the car. There you go. My memory's even better. Um, I won't debate on that. Um, but it was in the car uh, on the way home. <laughs> Only joking. So I really did. And I just, we turned to each other and we said, I really felt like we should go to officer training college. Like, it's a bit weird. And Paula said, yeah, me too. Actually, I think Paula probably brought it up before I did. Um, and I probably said, yeah, me too. Like, I just, it's a bit weird. So we started the process. We did, um, there's a lot of paperwork to do. You have to do a psychological test, psychometric they call it. Um, funnily enough, we passed. I don't know. Maybe I put a few wrong answers in and they were the right ones. I'm not sure. Um, you know, are you, are you crazy? No. You're in. Well, I think I answered yes to that one, and maybe that's a prerequisite. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, can you edit that out again, Stewie? Just, just checking. Um, this goes to THQ. Um, anyway, so we, we're on our journey to um, officership. And um, part of that, we thought, well, we really can't afford to keep our house. We just bought it, so we had like 25 years of payments left. And we, we said, well, we really can't afford that, so we're going to have to sell it. We've got a lot of stuff that we just don't need. Um, the Xbox wasn't one of it. That was a mandatory must-take. Um, and it got me through college, to be quite honest. It was, it was good. Um, but so all this stuff we had to sell. Now, we did a garage sale, and we got, like, nothing for it. Has anyone done a garage sale? You just don't get anything for it. You know the stuff that we got money for was the stuff I was going to just chuck. We had these melted old spatulas and stuff, and someone said, just stick them in a box and put 50 cents on it. That's the stuff that sold. Crazy. Crazy. I had an old trombone like the ones out there. I think I got about 100 bucks for it. Anyway, we sold all our stuff. The thing that wouldn't sell was our house. Just wouldn't sell. And we priced it well. We had um, the real estate guy who'd sold us the house. We were using him to sell it again. And um, he was a great guy. Um, just wouldn't sell. So we went to these prayer warriors in our call. Um, what was their name? Pauline and Robin. Lovely, lovely ladies, real prayer warriors. We knew that you could trust them. You know, you know how you, there's some people you just ask them something and you, it's like they've got a instant intercom with God and you know just checking. Yeah, okay, God. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell them that. Yeah, they were like that, and they said to us um, in a prayer time, they said, "It's going to be like when the Israelites were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the priests, and they were trying to cross the River Jordan to their promised land." they had to go into the water before they saw results. Man, that was extremely distressing because why couldn't God answer it before, you know? what The Red Sea parted before they entered in, but for us this time, we would have to go neck deep in the water, because if you read the story, which I'm about to, the river was flooded at the time. So here's the Jordan River. Let's just have a pick of the Jordan River. I've gone out of it. Sorry, Josh. Um, that's the Jordan River, kind of in normal circumstances. Here's the Jordan River flooded. So they're carrying the priests 
are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which for them was the presence of God, the creator of the universe and everything. And they're carrying the presence of God. And God says, when you go into the river, that's when I'll do my stuff. Well, that was the same for Paula and I. So here we go. Jordan, Joshua 3, if you've got your Bibles today, Joshua 3, starting at verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. I'm not sure what that looks like, but I'm sure that stops. I've never seen water stand up in a heap, but uh, I'm getting the impression that it stops. Um, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flow flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. For us, it was, so we packed up our stuff. We collected just the few sort of personal things we wanted to take. Um, our, our mother-in-law, who's an officer, told us wisely, um, take things like pictures. Make it your home. Wherever you go, hang them up. It will be home. So everything else we sold, and we were waiting on the house. We parked up our stuff. We'd handed our resignations in at work. It was neck deep time for us we packed up our stuff and we're taking the little bits that we weren't going to take to college to Paula's mum and dad at Caloundra who are at Caloundra which is a beautiful appointment I'm sure Um, not as nice as here because winter's only one day long so it's beautiful up here Um, anyway moving along Um, and it was during that time that on the trip to Caloundra we got the call your house has been sold We were neck deep. We were in the flooded river. And that doesn't sound much, but we had sold everything. If this wasn't going to work, we were in trouble. Have to find new jobs, have to rebuy a house, have to buy all that stuff again that we sold and flogged for nothing. You know, like if you're selling a lounge for like 50 bucks, it's going to cost you like 500 to buy. You know, like we, we were up to neck deep. The word of God is true though. This whole meeting, when Beth did a thing, I was like, wow, that's um, kind of what I'm preaching on. Because God's promises are true. God's promise to us was that the house would sell. I could have easily focused on it's going to be too hard. I'm going to have to wade into the river up to my neck and wait because those guys waited. I don't know if you know the town of Adam, which I like quite funny, Adam, is where the water stopped, is 30 kilometers away. A long time to wait for the promises of God to be fulfilled when you've gone in. But 
you can focus, and I could have focused on the problems and the flooded river and the dangers I was facing, or I could have focused on the promise that God was going to fulfill. The promise was true. I could have circumvented that and said, no, 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 it's too much. Obviously, God's not going to answer it. Um, I've done everything I can. We've had the house on the market for a couple of months. And at that point, I think the housing usually they sold within one or two weeks. Like there was a good housing need in Toowoomba at the time. But I didn't. We didn't. We said, no, God will be faithful. God will be true. And so we focused on the promises and not on the problem. I want to tell you today that if you're looking for a miracle, a miracle in your health, a miracle in your finances, a miracle in your family, a miracle in um, a relationship, um, that God's promises are true. God's promises are true. But if you're waiting for God to start the miracle and you're standing on the water's edge, waiting for the waters to part, you might need to get in. You might need to move into it before the miracle will happen. And you might need to wait there and claim the promises saying, no, God, your word is true. I will wait. I won't look at the flooded river around me. I will wait and I'll believe that your promises are true and I'm going to wait for that answer and the breakthrough to come in my life. If you need a job... Don't wait on the water's edge for someone to miraculously come with a, with a career for you. You might need to send a resume out. That, that might be a good idea. You might need to do some training or something like that. You might need to present well. I remember this um, lady went to a pastor. I remember this story. Went to a pastor and said, I'm, I'm waiting for God to send me a husband. I'm really believing and I'm claiming God to send me a husband. She didn't know the trouble that we bring. Let's just put that aside. Waiting for God to send me a husband. She said, so I'm just staying at home and I'm waiting. And he said to her, that's great if you want a FedEx man or a Jehovah's Witness. You might want to get out there and just check it out. <laughs> I'm waiting for a breakthrough. This is a breakthrough. You, you guys have been, uh, here's Wally, King Wally, statue. There he is. For the last 10 years, it has not been good for me as a New South Welshman in Queensland. I'm waiting for a breakthrough. I'm waiting for this. That is Wally when we dressed him in blue. Yeah, popular up here, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. That would have been a hit in New South Wales, just saying. I'm waiting for a breakthrough. And I'm believing in the promise that one day I will have a breakthrough. If you're waiting on a breakthrough... Don't focus on the position you're in. Focus on the promise that God will deliver. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I know the plans. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. I don't know what your thoughts about God are, but sometimes we can think God is mean and nasty that his plans for a future for us are not good. God says to us, to all of us, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to get you across the river to the promised land. I have a promised land for you. I have a land of blessing for you. I have a land of hope. 
I have a future for you. I have plans that are good. I have plans to give you a hope and a future. Those are promises for all of us. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. But sometimes through fear or whatever we can do, we can try and circumvent that. And the funny thing about God's promises are, I think about that for some like um, pastors and stuff like that. The promises that are laid on a church, sometimes that pastor, for whatever reason or fear or whatever, circumvents that and that pastor goes, but the church reaps the blessing. The promise of God is true. God's promises for us are true and our families are true. If he promises things for our families, promise for future and hope. Um, but sometimes we can let fear circumvent that. When we focus on the flooded river and not the promised land in front of us. I want you to watch this, uh, this uh, great clip, The Amazing Race. One of my favourite clips. Now, it does take a little bit of time, but you'll love it. Great race. A million dollars. This is for one million dollars. She has to just go down the slide. She has a fear of heights and water. They have come to this spot 45 minutes before the next competitor. Come on, 
It's a water slide. This way, leap of faith. Basically, only one team can go at a time. As soon as that team comes up on you, you have two minutes starting from that point to actually make yourself do the challenge. And if you don't, you have to get up and let the team behind you go first. You can do this. You can do this. I promise you, you will be so proud of yourself. It's going to be worth it. I I'll do it. it. Don't listen to him. I'll do it. I'll do it. Hey, You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Go. You can do it. Shut up, dude. You go on the slide. Those guys are gonna lose. So Chris and them, you should be too. They're saying you can't do this. I know you can. Thumbs up. Step aside. Step aside. see her cry, but it's a race. We're here for the race. saying she can't do it. I know she can. But it's fear you suck yourself out. He's going to hate me. I just don't want to do it. He's going to hate me. Oh, my goodness. Who would have pushed her? When she's right, who relates to her and goes, man, i got some fears like that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I would have pushed her. When she's sitting in the water there, tackle, we're going down. You can forgive me. That's for a million dollars. Slide, they're 45 minutes. It took 45 minutes for the next team to arrive. They're 45 minutes in front. The amazing race. They go around the world and do all these things. 45 minutes. Wow. I want you to show you just this next little clip. This is his response. What a loving, Ken, caring what do you want gentleman. to say to her? Because right now she's just feeling like crap. I don't, I don't, it's, we both are blessed beyond measure, you know. Uh, we have, we have all we've asked for and more. So, um, you know, it, it was a pleasure to even be on this race and to have gotten this far is really cool. And uh, I definitely don't hold this against Micah. My life is in God's hands and, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't change our destiny one bit, you know. Life is good. It's, wow. It's unfortunate for sure because this, this is the greatest adventure I've been on, and I'm sure it's hers too. So okay. it's, it's definitely unfortunate, but nonetheless, we're, we're going to go on and, and be blessed. And good things are ahead. Yeah. Describe to us what, what got, it is for people who, who maybe can't identify because they see it just as a fun slide. I've never, I've been on. And cut. Is he insane? 
I forgive her and, you know, God's just blessing our lives. And No, that is the right response, isn't it? That is the right response. It probably as a pastor I should have that response. But inside of me I go, tackle her, down the slide, million dollars, woo! Big easy, woo, baby, woo! What a loving, caring, good Christian man that man is. In life we get a choice. Faith or fear. And you can't have the two at the same time. It just doesn't work. And fear can be so debilitating. It can just circumvent everything that God wants to do in your life. Because you get fear. You get paralyzed on the edge of that river knowing the promised land is there. Knowing that God will come through. But you're so afraid that you don't venture in. And you don't get the promise I want to ask you what are you afraid of are you afraid that God won't come through are you afraid that his promises aren't true maybe he doesn't love you enough that's not a statement that's a question is it you are you afraid that he doesn't love you enough are you afraid afraid that his plans aren't actually good Are you afraid that if you do step out, that he won't come through? He's not faithful. You've been let down in the past, and God won't be faithful. What are you doubting? What are you afraid of? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Fear can steal our destiny. Joshua, not my son Joshua, the Joshua in this story that's leading the Israelites across the promised land. If you go back in the story, this is not the first time he has come across this river. See, 40 years earlier, the Israelites had miraculously been freed from Egypt and it formed as a nation. God said, at that point, you are my people I am your God. Pharaoh said, I'm not letting them go. They're great slave labor. So God sent a series of plagues, miracles, until Pharaoh finally said, let them go. I don't want to see them again. He changes his mind and says, actually, I've let them go, but I want them back again. This, This God can't have them. I want them back. So the Israelites had proceeded all the way to the Red Sea. They turn around and see the whole Egyptian army coming after them. Moses parts the water under God's power, goes like that, and the water parts and they all go through. Egyptian army follows, not so good for them. Water closes over again and they all die. The Israelites had seen... um, Many miraculous things on the journey. Moses bringing water from a rock and God come through for them in so many ways. They get to this point of the river. Joshua and Caleb are two of 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel, sent across the river to check out the promised land. And they were asked by Moses, who was head at that time, to just check it out. What's it like? Give us some details. Do they have armies? Do they have fortified walls? What's the land like? All that stuff. They come back. These 12 guys come back. 
10 of them say it's everything God has promised. But, but, they are massive. They are massive. We cannot do it. They are too big. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. Moses begs them to believe in the promises of God. Begs them, falls down, tears his clothes, ash, so he's mourning. Joshua and Caleb do it too. um, Moses' brother Aaron, they're all mourning and weeping, saying, please believe the promises of God. Yes, they're big, but God will come through. But the people of Israel basically say, let's do away with Moses. Let's do away with God. How about we go back to Egypt and be slaves there? So God says, right. He says this. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like Know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to the whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. The only two that get a chance are the two that believe in the promises of God, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua succeeds Moses as leader. Not even Moses gets to go across to the promised land. Not even Moses gets to see the fulfillment of everything he has worked towards. Every person dies over the age of 20 at that point. God says, I will not have that wicked, unbelieving people see the promises of God. They will die in the desert. And they did. And they whinged the whole way along. Joshua had been there before. But he was not going to allow this to stand in his way. Because the promises of God are true. No matter what problems we face, the promises of God are true. Yeah, you might have some big giants in your life. You might have a swollen river right in front of you. But God is faithful and God will come through. doesn't matter what you're facing because, quite honestly, you do your bit as much as you can do and God will do the rest. And you might say, oh, look, I'm just not gifted enough or skilled enough or whatever. That might be true, but that's okay. God bridges the gap. You're not skilled enough to cross over a swollen, flooded river, Jordan? No one is. God did it. I wonder what promised land you're hoping for. Financial security or um, health or you have a relationship that's just, it's gone haywire and you're thinking God can't come through. What is the area in your life you're thinking God can't come through? It's just too big for me. It might be, but it's not too big for God. I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans for good. And plans for a hope and a future. 
when I did nursing, I, um, I became a soldier. I probably shouldn't say this because it is on record. I became a soldier in the Salvation Army, um, not out of any God moment, really. I'd hold, held off and held off, and I was quite a late bloomer. Often am. Um, and the band needed to have me in uniform to play at a congress. So I fell under the pressure and um, became a soldier. I was still drinking, still going out to nightclubs and doing that sort of stuff. Generally frowned upon if you're a soldier, isn't it? So probably should have had a year out, but I didn't. I'm still here. Um, just saying. Um, but when I gave my life to God for real, I said, actually, God, I'm, I'm leaving that life behind and I will not, I made a promise to God that I won't go into nightclubs. That's, I'll, that's a done deal for me. I was unfaithful in that area of my life and I just won't choose to do that again. It became a problem for me because as I'm doing nursing, my very final exam, so I um, had started in Canberra, done two years there, transferred to Toowoomba and did another two. Um, my final exam was held in a nightclub. Bit of an issue sometimes when you've made a promise to God that you won't go back into nightclubs. I know it wasn't a nightclub at the time, but kind of for me that was a problem. So I went to my um, examiner people and said, I can't, sit the, I can't sit the exam there. I won't be sitting the final exam. They said, why? I said, well, I've actually made a promise to God that I won't go into nightclubs and you're holding the exam in a nightclub. I said, well, that's a silly thing. Okay, you fail. That was the end of the meeting. Okay, that's your choice, you fail. I really believed that God had called me to be a nurse. I really believed that my promise to him was true and his promises to me were true. He was faithful. Would you believe they called me back and said, actually, we're holding some exams. Some of the Muslims won't sit in the um, thing. So it's, that was okay, but uh, Christians are not. Anyway, moving along. Um, so we're holding it. We're going to let some of you students have it somewhere else. I could have easily just faced the problem and said, okay, it's over. Done deal. I just, I just knew that the promises of God were true and that he would not have let me that far for no reason. Wouldn't have let me right through the 40 years in the desert to the water's edge to not let me go through to the promised land. And we can choose to live by fear or faith. And you can't have both. Matthew 9.29 says, According to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith. Hebrews 10, 38 says, A righteous person will live by faith. I don't want fear to stop you reaching your destiny. I wonder what promises you're asking God. I'm going to ask Steve to bring the... I've got some rocks. One thing that the Israelites did, which I think is absolutely key, and it's key for us, is they remembered what God has had done. So when they crossed the river, when they crossed the river, they got one man from every tribe to pick a river stone out and they built... That's beautiful. Thank you. Well done, Steve. Round of applause. Beautifully done. If anyone can carry rocks, you can do it. Um, 
they, um, they got some rocks and they built them into a pile so that they would remember what God had done. They built memorial stones. And I think it's really important for us that as we go through life, that we have these moments in life that we remember what God has done. So I, as we sing, I'm going to sing that song again, Christ is Enough. I want you to come and grab a stone and write what it is you need God to do. It might be a name of someone. It might be, um, I need a job or health or something. I just need God to show me that there is hope. You might write hope on there. Whatever it is, what do you need God to do for you? What promises of a good future and hope and um, plans for good do you need God to come through with? And I want you to come and write it on a stone. And I want you to take it and put it somewhere and pray about it. And do move in that way. God's plans for you are good. And I want to ask you, whatever you write on your thing, are you letting fear stop you? It can stop you. It can. The Israelites had all the promises of God to go to the promised land and they died in the desert, whinging. But not two of them. They believed in the promises of God and they saw a whole generation see the promises of God. Wouldn't that be great? Imagine if this in this room just two believed held on to the promises of God and saw a whole generation. A whole generation see the promises of God for their life. A whole generation filled with hope, future. I encourage you to come and grab a rock. Write it down. You might just want to just grab a rock and say, God, I just believe in the promises of you. I want to see a generation saved. I desperately need you in my life, God. I've done everything I can to make my life work and it is not working and I need you to make the difference. And so I put my trust in you. I turn my eyes from what is been holding me back and what I'm so afraid of and the all the troubles and I put my eyes firmly on your promises that you will come through you will deliver me I believe that you're a good and loving God and your promises for me are good Faith or fear, it's our choice. So we sing this song, Christ is enough. Christ is my reward, all of my devotion.